Remember, remember when the, remember when the remember first being... three episodes of the season and only three episodes of the season so far were live shows? <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember having friends in real life? Oh. As opposed to just... Uh, now just... all my friends take up half my screen. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> All right, we should probably start this the way we all the way we always do with uh, clinking of the glass on the microphone. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, but I feel like we should like have a second silence before we do the clink, right? So we have a pause, so Mitch has a time to obviously start from. No, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> that would work. <laughs> Didn't plan that. I'll take it. I'll take it. None Thank us- you for coming to my yoga class. It's on. None screen. of us drank. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it again. <laughs> and we're here. Um, what's my first line? That's right. Welcome to Science Under the Influence. We are your intrepidly intoxicated co-hosts, Henry, Mitch, <laughs> and Mitch, and every time. every time. And we're joined tonight by our good friend Patrick. Patrick, say hi. Hi, how Tell are Tell us about yourself, Patrick. Uh, so I'm a PhD student at the ANU. I study supernova cosmology, which means I use exploding stars to figure out what's up with the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and outside of that, I do all the classic nerdy shit like D&D and games. And uh, I also get lost in tangents. And I had like three months where I did nothing but learn about music theory, even though I don't really play any instruments. Oh, no, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> So that's me. This is Wonderful. a safe. This is a safe space for for nerds. We're allowed <laughs> to use that in word. Nerd. Yeah. Say that. We're all definitely. nerds here. We're all nerds here. The only one we're allowed to say. <laughs> that's you've it. been you've been a long term fan of the show though, and and Pat, yeah, you've been there for a lot of our live tapings, if not definitely. all of them. Over fifty percent for sure. I think there was one episode where I incorrectly helped Mitch and lost him a point. Yeah, uh, very good. So that's that was yeah. my claim to fame. That's his claim to fame. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. good. So hopefully you get to make it like two for two tonight. That's and try and Yeah, no, I, it I, we'll see. I've known Pat for like oh, over half a decade now. It's been, it's been wow. a great time. It's, yeah, yeah. We, we got I mean, way for back. you, that's a long time. It is. You're like, I'm like 12, man. 12 Shit. years old. So yeah. yeah, that's huge. It's like half my um, life. Yeah, I've worked with Pat. Uh, known Pat for a little while as well. Pat's a great guy. He's a so great very, science very communicator. Glad to have him. He is a brilliant science If nothing else. Yeah, I'm so glad this is recorded. Science communicators are people too. (laughs) (laughs) Now Um, we'll share the video as well. (laughs) (laughs) Just blank us out. Yeah. Um, (laughs) What else? What are we? Uh, We are, of course, recording during the COVID era still. So we're all (laughs) on Zoom, just seeing each other's faces. Uh, We've also chosen to change the show up a little bit as well right now, just because people don't have time to listen to hour long things. We've discovered after recording this three times. And so the way the show's going now is going to be a bit snappier, but there is still also an alternative to see the entire thing if you need to. We are going to be recording uh, the first three sections, uh, just the headlines, the sound of science, and science on the influence as the mm-hmm. sh- official show itself. Uh, and, and then after which there will be a music break. I'll get to that the in a second. The VIP section. You yes. go behind the velvet rope. That's after, it. We'll, the f- after the official show. You after know, the official show. We've had our fun. Ha, ha, That's ha, it. Ha, what a good time. Ha, ha. And then you stick and then around. We jump right in. Right? And it gets messy. It gets, it gets messy. It gets exciting. Uh, the second half of the show 
will be made as one whole show, as an extended cut, which is going to go on YouTube. So the first half, the official show, will be the episodes that go on all the streaming platforms like Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. For your podcast time. That's it. Uh, <laughs> but the second half is just going to be, we don't fucking know. It's just going to be shits and gigs. There'll be stuff. We have stuff, but we also have nothing. Uh, and to, <laughs> to act as a splitter between the two halves, there will be a music break, which mm -hmm. is where we've chosen to essentially highlight up-and-coming musicians, uh, local yeah. musicians from Australia who do really cool things. Uh, with their permission, of course, we haven't just stolen music for no reason. But that's the, the, the music break will, in a way, be how the official episode ends. So each yeah. episode now should only go for about 45 minutes or so. We'll end with a nice tune and everyone goes home happy, except the three of us who keep talking afterwards and get more intoxicated people to view on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, that made sense. Let's do the show. <laughs> Let's do the show. Show words. Doing a show. Oh, okay. Uh, so the first section of the show is called headlines. Uh, and we know how it works by now. There are some rules. But we go around. Uh, it's going to be awfully hard to go clockwise, as we found out on our last episode on Zoom. But There's only two of us then, too. Like yeah. So guest goes first. Um, and then Henry and I will fight it out in some way. But we're going to share headlines. You know the drill. Uh, some of them might be lies. Some aren't lies. And the other people have got to figure it out. And you lose a point if they get it right. Yes. It's they <laughs> figure out whether you're lying or not. So. Whenever, whenever you explain something, Mitch, it always just sounds like you've forgotten <laughs> what it is <laughs> after I'm a year of this. I remember as I'm talking. It's very cool. I, that both. Column A, column B. There you go. There you yeah. go. <laughs> All right. So, Pat, what's your first headline? Uh, also, first headline. The, oh. the headlines themselves, sorry, I should mention, has to be word for word accurate or completely false. So we can't have any like 50 50 accuracies, you know, it has to yeah. be completely. Yeah, none of this plagiarism. We're a no serious plagiarism. science podcast. Serious science. We'll be put through Turn It In. Is that a brand name? It's not. Oh. I'll leave it in. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, and every time someone gets the headline guessed incorrectly, they lose a point. They take a shot as well. We're no. all going to die. Let's get started. Mm. Okay. First headline. Buffed up avatars deter us from exercising hard. It's true, isn't it? I was, no, no, not, not the headline. The last word. Not the headline, just exercising hard. hard. <clears throat> oh, deter us. Mm. Deter us. Oh, oh, yeah, I will I'm, say oh. there is a hyphen between buffed and up. Okay, that's good to know. I appreciate that. Um, I'll say. I'm gonna, oh, no, nope, yes. that's to you. No, no. I'll, I'll, I reckon it's true. Okay. I reckon it is... Huh. Okay, so the other thing I don't think Mitch said was these headlines had to be from the last year. And it's like, could this have happened in the last few months? Or is this something or earlier? Or it's like more accurate, you know? I think. Um, yeah. Uh, look, I'm going to say... I'm going to say... I'm going to say it's false. Okay. It is, in fact, true, so only one shot for Brilliant. me, correct? Only one shot for Pat. Only one shot okay. for you. And yeah, no one so, else does anything. So a little bit of research. Everyone's staying at home. No one's able to go out to the gym or go on regular walks and things. People are starting to use uh, technology as a, as a way of exercising. You've got uh, things like, well, not Wii Fit because that's way dead, but things like Wii <laughs> Fit and other exercising technologies. Um, and the research found that if you make your avatar on the screen look 
how you want to look, you know, slim, sexy, strong. Uh, you don't work anywhere near as hard as if you make the avatar look realistic. Oh, that's um, good. Because, and and they, they suggest it's because people have this kind of association with the avatar and they think, oh, they look fantastic. I've already done enough work. That's so true. You have to be hating yourself. That's interesting. That's why I wear fat pants to the gym. Remember gyms? They were a good time. Cheers, Pat. How good are gyms? Well done, Pat. All right. I'll go. Yep. Pandemic board game sells out as coronavirus sweeps across Australia. True. Mm, I don't reckon it would sell out. I reckon... I reckon you just thought it would be funny if if the pandemic board game sold out. I think that's false. Okay. Well, mm. here's the thing, right? I was originally going to make this one of my fake headlines, but I went, oh, better check it on Google just in case. It's true. This is a Got real him. headline. <laughs> this happened. The pandemic board game has sold out in the various wow. parts of, of Australia, at least. Which is insane because I Good bought game. one like a week ago for this for the same. I, I, I am the problem. Wow, I'm the problem. Nice. Yeah. The problem. Is that like the, the original board game or yeah, the OG, like the a OG million different versions? That's so, so cool. Yeah. While Henry's tucking into his first delicious shot and losing Jeez. a point, uh, the origin of feces. <sighs> okay, Copper ID reliably predicts sources of ancient scat. That's like scat. poo, not jazz. Bibbidi bop poo. No, <laughs> other one. It's just poopity poop poop, just fossilized shit. I think, um, <laughs> quite literally. But I just, phew, mate, it's worth the ticket price just for the origin of feces. Can you say it again. I mean, that's amazing. A whole headline: the origin of feces. Copper ID reliably predicts sources of ancient scat. I think that's true. Yeah, bop, bop. Mitch. I don't think you're smart enough to come up with that pun. So I think that's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah, and hurtful. There you go. It's true and hurtful. That's two. Is that two shots? That's two, my friend. Yeah, and negative two, two as well. Chocolate flavored bullshit. <laughs> every time, every time he's surprised, he hosts the game. Every time he's surprised that these are the rules. <laughs> okay. Mm, chocolate somehow makes it worse. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Patrick. Okay. Uh, mounting evidence of white holes at the start of the universe. White holes? Oh. Interesting. False. Science man. True. Science man. It, it's false. Uh, white uh. holes, like mathematically, they could exist, but we don't. We've never, ever, ever seen a, ma- a white hole, and we never, ever expect to see a white hole. Uh, what yeah, Henry, I knew that because of math. <laughs> While, Obviously. while Pat takes his shot, can you explain to us quick what a white hole hypothetically is? Sure. So a black hole is, let me take the shot. I was going to be like, how can he explain it? Anyway. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it live. Let's we'll do, do it. it live. Nice a black goblet. hole uh, is something that initially it came out of Einstein's general theories of relativity. Uh, and it was just a quirk of the maths and experimentalists, observationalists said, yeah, well, like if you make everything nice and simple, you can get a black hole, but it doesn't really exist. Hmm. Uh, so for people who haven't heard, a black hole is something that will essentially suck in anything. Its gravity is so immense, it sucks everything in, including <sighs> light. Uh, now, hmm. a white hole is essentially you take the same math as a black hole, but you put like a minus sign somewhere. Okay. You invert huh. it. So instead right. of sucking everything in, it just infinitely spews stuff out. Oh, and The I issue see. with that is you can't have infinite stuff. 
So a white hole infinitely spewing stuff doesn't really make sense. Theoretically, yeah. it could exist. Einstein says, like, yeah, if it could exist, but no one really expects to see one. Well, there we go. All right, uh, here we go. Like humans, flamingos make friends for life. <laughs> oh, how flamingos, wholesome. Flamingos <clears throat> seem like super sassy birds. Mm, friends. Do you mean like... Like, uh, mm. like friends or friends with benefits? I don't know. I just gave you a sentence. <laughs> yeah, it's false. Yeah, I don't reckon that's true. Henry Ford lies. You both think this is false. Mm. It's an absolutely true headline. Holy Moses. Whoa. He doesn't wow. drink anything. This, this was very recent, though. This was in the last few weeks or so. Okay. Uh, they discovered it for the first time. Scientists discovered that flamingos, they make long-lasting and loyal friendships and relationships, too. Did they make the uh, flamingos do one of those Facebook, like, how much do you know about your bestie quizzes? Did they yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. Because, um, like, they, they, they have partnerships which see mated couples build nests every year. Uh, they see same-sex friends. And they also see, like, friendship groups of, like, three to six. Close Holy moly. Flamingos. Yeah. And uh, those friendship groups are now connecting on Zoom and doing shit. That's it. Things. That's it. <laughs> I was gonna, are they socially distanced now? They're doing the weird walking <laughs> thing. It, yeah. They also found that the flamingos were actually similar to people really careful to avoid other certain other flamingos <laughs> like they would like duck, <laughs> duck around and stuff to not have to converse with a, another flamingo like me with fish I every would, day i would love to <laughs> see a high school musical remake which is just flamingos, flamingos. they're all in the <laughs> flamingo school musical <laughs> <laughs> it'd be great yeah i'd pay that's it here's mine new scavenger technology allows robots to eat metal for energy Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Plausible, but mm. also plausible deniability. For energy. For energy. That's what I said. Nom nom nom. I now am refilled. Just like people. <laughs> they really are just like. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, um, what happened to all your forks? <laughs> I'm gonna say yes because I feel like energy is something. I feel like there's like. Those inverted commas around energy, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna energy say yes. makes me energy makes me suspicious because I don't see how you could efficiently turn any metal into energy. I I don't think that's true. Okay, we got Mitch. one of each, Mitch. Ooh, split deck. Here we go. Okay, it's true. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's true. So, oh, um, that's it. Okay, <laughs> Winner Electronics. It's from the University of Pennsylvania. Um, so a metal air scavenger. They've got these sort of new things developed. So when electronics need their own power sources, there are two basic options, batteries and harvesters. So batteries store energy internally, but are therefore heavy and have a limited supply. And as we know, harvesters such as solar panels collect energy from their environments. Um, but blah, 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 blah. And yes. So this and thing is words. basically like a solar panel. Yeah, some words. Uh, and they use the chemical bonds in metals. Nice. Mm, Good stuff. Metal. It's interesting. You can check it out. Mitch, take a shot. Yeah, Pat, yeah. give us your next headline. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Mitch is taking a shot. I'm ready. Did Uranus get smacked so hard it spun sideways? Not today, no. Oh, man. Um, oh, man. A few weeks ago, um, maybe, but... <clears throat> I... Spun sideways. Sideways. Did Uranus get... Hmm. Did you say get spanked so hard? Get smacked. 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 Okay. Mm, it's different. Okay. It is different. It's less yeah. sexual. Freudian slip from Henry. 
I would need to know enough about Uranus and what it usually does. I know nothing about Uranus. Or say, we'll come on, say, say, we'll right, say it the right way. Nah, say fine, it the right fine, way. Come fine, on. Fine. Uranus. There it is. Uh, we... <laughs> um, I'm going to say that is... Magpie. Uh, nah, I'm going to say it's false. True. Say it's false. I'm saying okay. it's true. I'm just saying Split it's decision. false. Split decision. It is, it is true. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Mitch, you don't drink. I drink. Mm. Oh, you're drinking anyway. That's all good. That's a shot from last time. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, mm. so... Uranus's moons orbit around it really, really weirdly. They don't really make sense. Uh, and this paper uh, simulated what would happen if a gigantic object, I think it was about a quarter the size of Uranus, but I'd have to double check. What would happen if that smacked into Uranus uh, really, really early on its, in its life? Mitch is corpsing. I'm fine. <laughs> Just... <laughs> uh, and, and it seems to recreate a lot of the moon's orbits and their weird positions. So ah. it seems plausible. Now, the paper itself isn't called this, but the, uh, the, the headline? article after, yeah. yeah, the headline a while away gave it this nice creative name. That's a classic move. And somebody picked up Friday Night Drinks for that guy. That's a hell of a headline. That's it. That's fantastic. All right. <clears throat> Archaeologists on a 5,000-year-old egg hunt. Egg hunt? Egg hunt. Okay. It's just a bit weird with Zoom sometimes. Um, <laughs> egg hunt. Egg okay. hunt. Yeah, good. Egg hunt. Egg hunt. Egg hunt. Egg hunt. And we're back. Um, <laughs> the, uh, brr, five, 50,000? 5,000. 5,000. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'd believe that. Mitch? False. The decision. Henry's entered smug mode. It is absolutely true. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will take one because Pat, Pat did call it. Uh, the scientists have been working on cracking this this five thousand year old mystery, which surrounds the ancient trade and production of decorated ostrich eggs. Right? They were yeah, they were highly prized by elites of the Mediterranean ah, Mediterranean civilizations. Everyone knows that. Ages, right? Of course. <laughs> but we don't know much about like the supply chain and everything, even till today. Often they've, st- they've started uh, using state of the art scanning. Uh, on, on eggs at the British Museum, and they've now figured out uh, origin, origin pinpoints and also how they were made. So they're getting close. We're getting is, is close it, to the egg is it derailed, hunt. Because that, that's fantastic. And the, yeah. uh, fantastic egg hunt. Well done. Thank you. Ostrich egg. Has anyone seen that viral? This is terrible podcasting, but there's a viral video going around of people roasting a whole ostrich, like a chicken. What? Obviously not like a chicken because you need more stuffing. But in this age, putting of like a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a viral video. You can look it up. I watched it like with my mouth open through most of it. It just incredible. Ostrich are huge, and yeah, mm-hmm. they roast one whole. Amazing. Wow. Look at that. Amazing. Ostrich, ostrich eggs. Ostrich eggs are the largest single-celled organism. I think. I think you might taught me that. That's cool. Yeah, mm. that's really cool. It's that right. and the emu eggs. Was it? Yeah. Well. I don't really know what ostrich the main difference big, is between an ostrich man. and an emu. Mm. Ostrich yeah. are big. Ostrich are bigger. I mean, I think the main difference is their postcode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> from oh, there, yeah. it probably goes down to, you know, like bigger and meaner. And yeah, that's it. Mm. All right, Mitch, take uh, a All right, last one. Here we go. Welcome. Welcome. To Thank the you. house of Slytherin. Salazar's pit viper, a new green pit viper from India. That's a long headline. That's a very long headline. Can you say it again? No. 
Okay, that's fine. Um, welcome <laughs> to the House of Slytherin, Salazar, uh, Salazar's Pit Viper, a new green Pit Viper from India. What are the chances they found a new snake in like this era of isolation? Mm. Kind of likely, well, actually, well, to be honest. It, it's <laughs> within the past year, though. So that's true. It could have been. Before. It could have been like, yeah, okay. Is Mitch nerdy enough to know Salazar from Harry Potter, or? Um, I feel like the, the if if a snake was found, the people naming the snake would be nerdy enough to call it that. Mm, but if Mitch made this up, he'd have to be nerdy enough to make up the headline. That's true. And it is very convoluted. That's which really is very Mitch. Um, <laughs> That's really good at this game. <laughs> <laughs> I've been power gaming. I've watched all of the episodes. I've learned all the secrets. He's watching tape. I will He's watching tape every day. Got <laughs> <laughs> it. Um, Swing the leg. I'm gonna say yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's true. That's uh, so much Bailey's. All right. Woo! Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's great. So these guys, the place is called Arunachal Pradesh. Probably messed it up. That's in India. Give it a good go. Um, part of the Himalayan biodiversity hotspots. Scientists found a new snake. Apparently it's green. Green pit viper. Green with some yellow stripes. And they named it Salazar Slytherin, which is the founder of the house, not, um, you know, the Malfoys or mm. uh, Severus. Very is good. that is that its scientific name? Scientific name is Trimerosaurus. Okay, Salazar. Cool. Okay. Oh, Salazar. okay. And it was yeah. discovered near Bucket Tiger Reserve. Not, Not Tiger oh. Tiger Reserve. Ti- wait. Tiger Reserve. Tiger Reserve. Okay. Tiger Reserve. Tiger. Okay. Tiger. I wonder if there's any copyright issues with naming something after a book. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Yeah, like you can't name your snake after the book. But yeah, um, yeah maybe the, interesting. There you go. still find a big snakes. Maybe this snake was actually gay all along. <laughs> <laughs> Just think about that. Oh, that's amazing. Maybe this snake, you know, in the end, it will redeem itself by going extinct. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's dark. And at well, the end of at? this section, <laughs> uh, I am sitting on a nice little lead on negative two. Uh, Pat's on. one behind me on negative three, and Mitch, you are on negative five. You've taken five Ooh. shots in what seems to be like 20 minutes. Good for you. Yeah, I'm having a great time. All right, next section Sounds of Science. We have all prepared a sound from any region of the science, and we are going to play it for the other two. The other two must then take a stab as to what that sound is. Uh, and there are up to five points for grabs here. So essentially, five points max, i.e. if the other person guesses it exactly right, but then the person offering the sound can choose to give, you know, one, two, or three, or four points if they're kind of close. Because this is from anywhere in science, it will be a very specific So with that said, Pat, would you like to start us off? Absolutely. Are you ready? We're ready. Huh. Hmm. 
Hmm. Um, hmm. Mitch, do you have any up thoughts? To, up to five points. Yeah, I got some thoughts. It's something in space and it's transmitting some sort of signal back. <clears throat> yes, yeah, I, I was also going to say a space thing because of Pat's background. It's now just if that if it is a space thing, which one of us can get it closer? Because it's <laughs> the exact I, space thing. I'm feeling like it may have been Hubble because Hubble turned 30. 30. Like it's, yeah. it's lasted way longer than people thought it was going to. And you shout out to Hubble doing yeah, congrats, Hubble. amazing work. Apparently, I was listening to the radio the other day. Um, three scientific papers get published a week on the data that Hubble's throwing back. That's incredible. Mm. That's absolutely amazing. So Hubble has just been, I mean, just carrying the yeah, you know, a, astronomy. It's a powerhouse. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, but I'm not sure that it's Hubble because I don't know if Hubble sends back those kind of noises. Yeah. I, I, I know space. I know stuff. Henry, what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, it's interesting because I was, I was like all on the same line. So you, the, the, the 30th anniversary happened and congratulations to the Hubble telescope. Congratulations. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know. It seems too easy. You know, like I feel like this is something much more, <clears throat> excuse me, much more specific that Pat has thrown our way. Uh, I wonder if it's I, like, it doesn't sound like Sputnik. No, Sp- Sputnik had a regular Sputnik goes, pulse. Sputnik goes, beep, 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 yeah. No, nah, it ain't Sputnik. It's not unusual Honey. to be like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> Except it did in Russian, which I'm not going to do because racism, but that's it. You know? <laughs> uh, I wonder if this has something to do with something SpaceX has done. You know, mm. I wonder if this is like, there's something, a lot of noise on the signal, but maybe so, something to do with a Falcon, Falcon Heavy launch or something. Maybe a, maybe a little, a little starman trying to figure out the keypad in his garage. <laughs> <laughs> maybe some 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 sort of the could it be the Starman car? Is that even is that even sending anything back at this point? Because I, I I know you can still see it live. Got to pick mine mine. All right, here's my full answer. Go on. Mine okay. is something in space. Uh, man-made transmitting signals back and it was sent out quite a while ago. Okay. okay. Mine, 10 years ago. That's mine, my thing. Mine is something Thank in space, much. man-made, sending signals back. God damn it. But man. made, build but made in the last five years. Okay. Now, can I award points to, to multiple people? Or is yes. Whoever gets yeah, you can. Okay. You can move so it. Up to five correct- for each of us. So, so it was something in space, man-made, hey, <laughs> transmitting signals and sending, uh, and either old or new. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're right that it's something in space, okay. but not yes. much else is correct, unfortunately. Oh, damn it. Uh, one each then, so, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one point each. I'd be happy Yay. with that. Um, <laughs> so this is actually the sound of Jupiter. <clears throat> what? So what? what they've done is they've, they've found some like plasma signals, which is, uh, if you've seen the Aurora Borealis, it's... Aurora like Borealis? That. Yeah, but, but on Jupiter. Uh, um, oh, that, I saw it. It's blue? Yeah. I saw it. Unbelievable. Cool. So, so this was data from 2017. Um, they've taken those plasma signals and converted them into sound. Uh, the plasma wow. signals are normally at something like... Uh, Hun- yeah, something like 150 giga- uh, kilohertz, which is way, way, way above what humans can hear. So it's all shifted down into a range that people can hear. But it's right. just, it's like little plasma waves coming off of Jupiter. Wow. 
And that's so those cool. peaks are like really bright spots, essentially. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Hmm. That's great. Man, you know why I knew that the aurora were blue on Jupiter? Tell me. And why, Henry? Why, Mitch? It was a fucking Hubble. That's why. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, took the pictures. You took know, I pictures, heard. Sent them back. Hubble out there doing work. I heard work, Hubble doing work 30 for 30 years. This, this, wow. I did. I heard that too. What? Yeah, I don't know. That's I heard insane. it on this great science podcast. That was yeah. Not this uh, one. No, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's no such thing as a fish, that one. Who goes um, next? That is uh, I will. I, I will go next. And here is my sound. Sounds like a Dalek. Oh yeah, like is old that your final answer? Doc- is that- no. <laughs> old that Doctor like the- Who sound effects. Sounds like the hottest indie signal of 2021. <laughs> um, or the intro to it. Uh, nah, serious, but um, is, that your final- is that your final answer? No, it's not. <laughs> I don't think it's a serious, but uh, the. I think it's it's another digitally processed signal from something. Like it's not an organic sound. Um, for some reason, I thought of like meteor shower when you were playing it, or it's picking up some kind of mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, that's the best I got. Okay, Pat. I could see this being some kind of camera or something that's traveling like underground or in in an animal's nest or, or under ice or something like that. And like you, because it sounds almost like scraping against something. Sure. Mm. Hmm. Okay. That's Let me think my about guess. This. My super. Um, guess. Mitch gets no points because he. Thank you. <laughs> because he claimed that this was definitely not like organic. Oh, okay. which it is right. Oh, but, right. So my question now is whether or not I should, whether or not Pat gets a one for mentioning the word ice. I think Pat gets one. If ice is involved, that's a one. Yeah, okay. Pat gets one for mentioning the word ice. Um, there you go, Pat. <laughs> uh, the sound you heard was actually winds blowing across snow dunes on Antarctica's mm. Ross Ice Shelf. Yeah. yeah, causing massive so ice slab cool. surfaces to vibrate. That the, we, we got the um, oscillations going on. Mm. Uh, that the scientists think these tones could, could actually help them monitor changes in the ice shelf without actually getting too close. But what you're hearing isn't the actual sound. The actual sounds are way too low in frequency for a human ears to be uh, heard. It was made audible by a geophysicist and mathematician, Julian Chaput. Shout out to Chaput, old mate. Shout out to Chaput. Who sped up uh, a recording from 2015 around 1,200 times faster. So digitally processed, though. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there might be a point in that for old, <laughs> old Mitchie Pie. No, that's fine. I mean, no, you know what? Yeah, go on. Go on. Hey, you can, yeah, go you on. can have a point. You can have All a point. Right. So, so something I didn't mention, my sound was slowed down by about 60 times. That's cool. Oh. Your, yours was up by about... 1,200. 1,200, yeah. Don't worry about slight, it. Slight difference there. <laughs> Interesting that we both chose uh, sounds that had to be processed. Oh, of heard. course, right? All if right, you Mitch. stick around until after, oh. the, uh, uh, after the, the main show and go to the uh, after show, oh, I have a cut. huge rant about that. Oh, no. Ooh. <laughs> what a segue. Man, I'm tuning in for that. I'm tuning in for the after show. What is going on here? I'm tuning in for the uncensored, you know, 
fans only section. I can't the wait to be. Section. I can't wait to be here for the after show by pure default because I'm hosting the program. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's my sound. Mitch, take it away. Got it. Here we go. It's just loading. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got it. Is it Mitch saying words? It's interesting that all three of our sounds have been like very similar, but I don't think in actuality they are very similar. Um, I know in the past Mitch has liked doing animal sounds and I feel like this is similarly on that track. I feel like it's something breathing when they're asleep. I'm going to say it's like a whale or some animal breathing while they're asleep or even just when they're awake. Just, you know, just breathing, just, just chill vibes. It's an animal chill vibing. That's what I think. So the sound seemed to repeat multiple times. Uh, like it, it sounded like it was the same sound again and again, uh, which suggests to me maybe it's, it's something different. Like, hmm. I reckon it's, it's the recording of some kind of wind uh, in, in an experiment, like an aerodynamics experiment or, or something along those lines, like, like recording wind moving through a particular tunnel or a particular shape. Okay. There are answers, Mitch. Great us. Cool. All right. Well, I'm very sorry to say, because Pat's been just knocking it out of the park so far, but it is nil poir for Pat on this oh. one. <laughs> Henry. Yes. You, I'm just torn between giving you one or two. Oh, wow. Hey, that's, that's good. That's, that's more than uh, I've ever gotten. At this but I'm going to give you one uh, oh. because of the nature of our relationship. Oh, no. And <laughs> because... Uh, so it is something breathing. It is an animal. Um, but I'm not going to give you the animal point. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to give you the animal point. Because, you know, only animals breathe. It's kind of by default, whatever. Okay, okay. Not chill vibing. Not chill having vibing. a really bad time. Because oh. if you... If you were... Uh, like a respiratory physician, where you were somebody who, you know, does that stuff for a job, you would be able to recognize that as the sound of the lungs of a patient with COVID-19. What? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, hot damn. Yeah. So when they, they put that, that stethoscope thing isn't just so they look like they know what they're doing in TV. <laughs> they actually use that to listen to like your heart and your lungs. And if they're listening to your lungs, they can hear not only, you know, Obviously, it's not a diagnostic test, but they can hear if you've got sort of pneumonia and what kind and that sort of stuff. And that was the sound of somebody with, with COVID. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's pretty cool. Sort of that's really cool. cool and interesting stuff about it. Obviously, it's tragic. It's terrible. You know, people are dying. It's I mean, yes, but, that's true. Um, but the, yeah, the fact that doctors can really tell apart, you know, and can, can tell the symptoms and yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Shout out to doctors. You guys are the shout heroes. Out, shout out to doctors. Shout out to any medical practitioners right now doing their thing. Everyone Absolutely. else. Hey, like, Absolutely. Stay, you know, just we're all surviving. Don't, don't walk outside. Stay alive. Don't go out. Stay at home. Stay at stay home. home. Record science podcasts. That's or listen it. to them. That's, That's better. It. Listen to them. We don't want to, we don't want to play our time. market. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, with, so where are we at? Well, with that, 
Your boy, I, I've broken even. I'm on oh, zero. Oh, yeah, he's back. Oh. Uh, and we have Pat on negative two and Mitch on negative three. Love it. We go into this last section. Wow, it's so weird saying that. But now they're doing this new. Yeah. We go into the final section with it still being anyone's game at this point. G'day. Welcome back. And uh, <laughs> we're going to be recording the section <laughs> oh, Science oh, no. Under the Influence. It's fine. Very professional. <laughs> so uh, in this section... Each uh, person on the podcast has prepared a science story from the last month and they will be sharing it in five minutes or less, Henry. Um, and they will, <laughs> and then each other person gets to ask them a question, a clarifying question or something entirely irrelevant for comedic effect. And if their story made sense, they'll be awarded a point if there's consensus on that. And then if they answer each of the questions correctly, they can get another point there. So uh, three points on the table. Mm-hmm. The old back of the envelope maths there. So uh, I could bring it into the neutral territory. Yeah, Mitch could... Uh, if I just suck at English, Mitch could tie with me, is essentially... <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> chances aren't, aren't good, but... Whoa, here we go. Yeah. yeah. So who, who's first? Guess first. first. Gotta be. Hey, Pat, got what do you got for us? Okay. Timing you. Feel free to start. Five with minutes. Great. So and my go. my story is about telescopes being built by robots on the moon. Good. Uh, so uh, radio astronomy is what I'm talking about. It's uh, looking at radio waves, which are the things used uh, to move to communicate with between radios, between telephones. It moves the internet around. Uh, but it's really useful in astronomy as well because it allows us to measure light from a lot of really interesting objects, including galaxies, stars, black holes, lots of really cool things. Um, But if you have a telescope on the Earth looking at these radio waves, you have a lot of issues and lots of things you have to deal with. Uh, First and foremost, radio waves are actually very, very low energy. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you add up all of the energy of radio waves collected entirely by humans, over the like over the entirety of history, uh, it's less energy than a feather hitting the ground. Wow! So they're extremely Whoa. low energy. Yeah, like crazy low energy. Um, the atmosphere blocks a lot of radio waves as well, which means we can't really see a lot of our interesting objects from Earth. And of course, radio waves are used for everything. Uh, they're used in radios, they're used in phones, they're used for the internet. So if you have anyone using a phone anywhere near your telescope, that'll be way brighter than anything you're trying to look at in space. So to solve this, NASA, uh, well, to solve this, you can either get a really, really big telescope like the Parkes telescope on Earth, uh, which is a really big radio telescope, or you can get a lot of smaller telescopes on Earth and they kind of add up together to be a big telescope. Uh, And that can help a little bit, but you still have to do a lot of uh, data collection, a lot of noise reduction, a lot of annoying things. Uh, or you can build a telescope in space and then you just avoid a lot of these issues. Uh, so in April this year, uh, NASA got funding to try and build a telescope in one of the craters of the moon. What? Now, when, when, when I say build a telescope, I actually mean turn the crater into a telescope. What? Because all you need for a telescope is just like a, a, a hemisphere dish kind of thing. Uh, so the plan is to find a one kilometer crater, place a wire netting over it, and then with some wires, suspend a little transmitter right in the middle above the, uh, above the crater. And that should be able to collect radio waves 
and send them back to Earth. Uh, and this has loads and loads of advantages. The moon actually acts as a shield from radio waves coming from the sun, radio waves coming from the Earth, because you've got this gigantic moon in the way. Uh, so that will help with a lot of things. Also, uh, the biggest radio telescope on Earth at the moment is only 300 meters. Mm-hmm. It's in China, I believe. And this crater will be roughly one kilometer in diameter. What? So it'll be easily the biggest telescope in the solar system, essentially. Um, and the really cool thing is because it's so big, it'll be able to, t- to detect radio waves that have wavelengths of 10 meters. So light, normal light is, has wavelengths that are nanometers in size, but we'd be able to detect light that is 10 meters in size which is insane. Like we've never been able to do this before. So if they can get this on the ground, if they can actually send robots up there, if they can build it, then we will have one of the coolest telescopes in the world. Uh, the big plus of all of this is it will turn the moon into something that looks very much like the Death Star uh, because you'll have a bunch, of, a bunch of robotics, a bunch of technology all in a crater pointing out to space. Uh, so it's really, really cool. And it's super, super exciting. Um, yeah. Wow, great. That was under five minutes. Nicely That's done. That's awesome. Um, maybe it's like the lack of alcohol talking from my amazing performance in that first round. <laughs> but that was one of like the most concise explanations this show's had. It was fantastic. Mitch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, knocked it out of the park. Like, to the moon! To the moon um, even. Yeah, yeah. No, even. that was very solid. Um, do you have a question? I mean, we, we can both agree that that made sense, right? I feel yeah, like that yeah. made very... It definitely gets a that, sense That point. did the good sense. sense it made the very good sense. Uh, <clears throat> I thought of a couple of questions while we're kind of talking through. Um, Do you want to keep thinking while I give one or...? No, nah, I've got one. you got one? So okay. with this kilometer-wide crater that they're going to find on the moon... Um, so radio waves, as far as I understand it, with the dishes that we build on earth so this is going for radio waves and not light waves that's my question that's not my question sorry but um so you've got that hemisphere that concave shape uh and it's designed or it's 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 set up in that way so that it focuses the the radio waves that are bouncing off it into a a central point which is where the, the transmitter i imagine would be the receiver transmitter whatever hanging from this um, suspended wire stuff. Mm. So th- th- that part's all cool. Uh, I-, I was just wondering if there are, because the moon is very dusty mm-hmm. um, and it has quite maybe an irregular surface in those craters. Would that irregular surface or would the nature of the kind of structure of the moon's surface being what it is mm. affect the reflection of the radio waves? Yeah. Uh, that is a great question. Um, now, so what they're doing, they have wires suspending a transmitter, uh, suspending a transmitter, like you said, but they're also laying a wire mesh down over the crater, oh. which I believe will have that nice parabolic shape that means yeah. everything is focused into the transmitter. So even though the crater itself is really irregular, and not really good for focusing things. Mm. I believe the wire mesh is more than enough to focus everything. Uh, Because the cool thing about radio waves is they will bounce off absolutely anything. Most like radio telescopes are just hunks of metal. There's nothing really special about it. Um, So Mm. a wire mesh is more than enough to collect 10 meter 
wavelength radio waves and focus it as much as you need. So the wire meshes do the actual focusing of the crater. That's really cool. It's just convenient because it's already dug into the earth <laughs> and they don't need to do any more work. Sweet. Yeah, I'm happy. Nice. That's Great. a point. Give him a point for that. Point. Um, Two points. Pat's broke even. Congratulations, Pat. Uh, That's <laughs> all I ever wanted. I can leave the show now. <laughs> um, this will either be like, I mean, this is probably going to be a, a, an easy point from my end as well, but it'll be a much easier point if I just didn't hear you say these words in the first 30 seconds. But um, what is the name of this mission? Ah, the name of this mission. Uh, I do actually know the name of this mission. I just don't oh have it God. with me right now. Give me just a moment. It is the Lunar Crater Radio Telescope or the LCRT. Uh, and nice. it's actually going to be placed on the far side of the moon. So the moon oh, that the is dark side. opposite us. Yeah. Oh, the uh, dark which is, side. Which is super useful because <laughs> then the, the moon is in between uh, like the telescope and Earth. So mm. we don't have any kind of signal from earth messing up all of our observations but how are they going to negotiate with all the aliens and like the one world government and hitler's holiday house and all the other stuff that's meant to be on the dark side of them that's true they're just gonna that's tough like real estate's pretty complete and utter tangent the best conspiracy theory i ever saw was that the moon doesn't exist in the first place not that we never visited it not that aliens live there it doesn't exist because some guy filmed it with his camera and saw a line tracking down his like film. And he said, I asked my friend who's a camera expert and he said, that's not a camera thing. So the only explanation that's is a moon, moon thing doesn't exist. <laughs> it's just a projection. It's gotta be a moon thing. Oh, no. <laughs> I love it. Video oh, started man. with a bunch of like really crappily rendered CGI bats flying in to I the video. That. And then he went out and he said, oh, there's a lot of contrails out today. <laughs> it was fantastic. Best video I've ever seen. Full That's confession, it. I have a really bad habit of just feeding that too. Like I spent literal years, you know, really fighting the good fight against conspiracy theories and everything else and all sorts of good stuff. And now I'm way more liable. If somebody cracks something like that, I'm just like, <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Tell me. Tell me more. What? what? Like I, Tell me more. How did you? This is incredible. Like, and I'll start taking <laughs> notes. I'll do my active say, listening. Any listeners who are going into astronomy as a research uh, topic, be prepared for everyone you ever meet to ask you whether the Earth is really flat or not. That is the one question every astronomy student gets. My the goodness. answer is no, yes. it is not flat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. Oh. Secret safe with me, Ben. It's fine. Well, <laughs> congratulations, Pat. You have, you, you've broken even, which I'm guessing, which well, I feel points. like should be like a thing for this show. Like if you've broken even on the show, you've done good. That's an so, achievement. You've broken even, Pat. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm so proud I have, of myself. I have a story. <clears throat> Go. And I will time myself for this. Okay. Buckle up, lads. We have the first ever credible evidence of someone being killed by a falling meteorite. Confirmed this shit has happened. So, I know what you're thinking. Henry, you crazy charismatic Asian man. Earth is constantly being attacked by space rocks, right? So, why why, why now? Well, Get out of my head. Yeah. Millions, <laughs> millions of them hit the atmosphere, but not many survive from atmospheric entry. According to NASA's Fireballs data, thanks JPL, at least 822 have been big enough to explode in the atmosphere since 1988. And scientists, some of them believe that up to 17 could hit the Earth's surface every day. But 
historical records have been strangely lacking of any actual reliable reports. We've had some potential opportunities. The um, Chelyabinsk meteorite in 2013 it exploded in the atmosphere and rained down chunks up to 60, 654 kilograms, but it didn't kill anyone. All the injuries reported were from the shockwave which followed. There was an explosion in India in 2016. A man died, but NASA experts have gone, no, this isn't extraterrestrial, this is just something else. There was a meteorite strike in 1954. Anne Hodges was napping on her couch. The rock was confirmed to be extraterrestrial, but Hodges survived. That crazy woman survived this, so she wasn't the first either. So, where? Oct sorry, not, not, not October. The 22nd of August, 1888. According to multiple documents found in the General um, Dictorate of State Archives of the Presidency of the Republic of Turkey, that's one fucking thing, a falling meteorite. <laughs> Catchy title. A falling General meteorite. The of President Turkey. That's, yeah, I that's it. A falling meteorite had hit Sorry, and Turkey. killed one man and it paralyzed another in what is now, a, how do I pronounce this? Sulemania uh, in Iraq. I butchered that, I'm sorry. Uh, three different documents have described the incident and they were all government sources, including one from the Grand Vizier. Uh, they were written by local authorities uh, around 8.30 p.m. that evening's local time. Meteorites kept falling like rain for about 10 minutes on a small village. And there was also crop damage alongside the death and the injury. Now, the researchers, big shout out to Ozan Umsalan, Asef Bayat, and Peter Jeniskins, these three sick lads, they found this out. Uh, the meteorite, they found that the meteorite traveled from, or they hypothesized that it traveled from southeast before pieces impacted on the pyramid-shaped hill in said place in modern-day Iraq. Now, more records could be out there. Um, and the team is, they're, they're still just combing through archives right now, trying to find even more information. They believe that even a, maybe a reply from the Sultan at the time, maybe in these documents somewhere, it's just all in this archive that they're still looking forward, or that they're still looking around for. But the discovery of this, it points out a large gap in our knowledge of the historical world. Historical records of many non-English documents are just being understudied. Mm. And they're calling for more translating and studying of them because we can find stuff like this. This old mate who got hit by a meteorite and died in 1888 and no one else so far, apparently. And that's my thing. Questions. <laughs> wow. Oh, sorry. I should also mention this was in the last month. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so, so the person died ages ago, but the actual like report was in the last month. Is yeah, the, the, the report yeah. of this came in the last month. Okay. Um, did I make sense? The words made sense? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, give you that. Good. Words made sense. Words made sense. Here's some I'm, questions. I already have my question, but it's probably a stupid one. No, no, uh, go. Because it might we, be which mine. Is, which if is, it's stupid, it might be my question. How is it that the shockwave generated by a meteor killing someone doesn't count as the meteor killing someone? <laughs> Because the That's a great question. That's not stupid at all. The no, meteor. no, 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 no. Because it's not a direct hit from the meteor, right? The meteor hit something else. By a no, no, the woman got smashed by a meteor, but she didn't, she survived. That was a different incident. Uh, uh, Anne okay. Hodges survived. That's why she didn't count. Um, but like the one with the shockwave was in, uh, the was the Chaospin's meteorite. Because of the meteor. 
but it was a shockwave that killed them. It's right? like such like, an insurance company answer. It's like, yeah, like it's, it wasn't the meteorite. That it was wasn't. It. it wasn't the stabbing of the guy. It was the internal bleeding. Right? <laughs> like, come it. on, that's, that's it. it. Oh, yeah, I have. I have issue with the report itself, but you answered my question. <laughs> yes, so I'll it. give you the point, <laughs> Mitch. Uh, but if a if a meteor creates a shockwave <laughs> and kills someone. The meteor fucking killed someone. <laughs> shockwave killed the person. <laughs> you heard it here first. You heard it here first. If it's a shockwave, it was the meteorite. Don't Mitch, mince what's your words. question? Uh, mine is, so there are lots of different kinds of meteorites. Um, oh, this is going to be, a, kinds of this gonna be a stupid specific question. No, no, it's not Ooh. stupid. It's not like deliberately obtuse. Okay. My... Not this time. My question is, how, like, how big was it? And for like, bonus, I'll appreciate you more as a friend. Uh, what was <laughs> it made of? Like, what kind of meteorite was it? Okay, I can only answer these from a subjective point. So this isn't the exact fact, right? I don't have that, but right. from a subjective point, um, I don't think they would have been that specific with it, right? So, okay. uh. Apparently, no, 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 no. That's what you're thinking no, of. Like, poof, oh, no. Terry's gone. Oh, wait a minute. Stay with me. No, because like, no, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing. So, right. the rock. The researchers have the researchers claimed right. in their in, in their article that the rock, the actual rock that hit it, it's yeah, been right. lost. No, the, the actual like, yeah, sure, yeah, it's lost. Lost. Yeah, the meteorite is lost. You think so, you'd hang on to it? You think so? <laughs> but um, I'm surprised that neither one of you didn't ask like. How, how do they know this? I wanted to know how big it was. Yeah, well. so they don't know how big it is because the rock is lost. But the reason why they only <laughs> I know this... I feel like this, we're going around in circles. But, but, the, but the reason why they only know this now is because uh, these sources were only recently transferred to digital archives. Translated. Mm-hmm. And that's when they were translated uh, from this okay. like right, very right, difficult right. to translate Ottoman Turkish language. Right? So we have these meteorites coming from 1888. These guys wouldn't know how to even like what to do with this except keep the rock right yeah but they've lost the rock but they've lost right? the, I mean, they, they <laughs> failed at the first time <laughs> but it's good that we're translating this work i think yeah. that hopefully that turns up a bunch of more yeah, a bunch yeah. Of new so uh can i just quickly jump in sure. to be able to actually reach the earth um they have to be really 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 big yeah um i think several kilometers in size is what you're looking at if it actually goes through the atmosphere and Strikes the earth. Yeah. So it, it would be really, really big. And it has to um, properly hit them too. And there's like kind of a, um, like there's kind of like a Hawthorne effect here as well. Because so um, a what? Uh, so essentially, it, it's a psychology term. If like you're doing, if you're like put in a psychology experiment and you're being told people watching you do this experiment, you might feel more like you should do uh, the right results. Cause like recording there was this, a podcast. Yeah, because there, <laughs> there was this paper published uh, in 1951 by your boy Lincoln Lapaz. Lapazzi. Hey, shout Lepazzi. out to Lapaz. Um, he's probably dead. Lincoln Lapazzi, let's go. Shout out anyway. Uh, he, Pull one out. He states that a reason why there haven't been many like proper pieces of evidence is because the lack of material evidence that, that missiles were involved in accidents uh, well, sorry, the lack of material evidence that the missiles involved were genuinely meteoroic. meteoroic nope, that's not right. Meteoric, Meteorological. that's the word. Meteoric. Oh. And the impossibility of subjective eyewitness questioning has contributed to. Right? Because, mm. like, if you kind of go up to someone and you're like, hey, this guy got hit by a thing. Did you see a thing? The person kind of might just be like, yeah, I saw a thing. 
Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm cool and hip. I saw the thing. Uh, Don't worry about it, right? So like he, uh, Lapaz, old mate Lapaz thinks that's also contributed to it as well. Okay. Does my answers satisfy your yeah, question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Great. Feels good. Uh, and, and Mitch, th- just one other thing. Your, your other question was like, what is the meteor made of, right? Mm. So any meteor that make, makes it to Earth is almost certainly just pure iron. Uh, right. Because anything else will be burned off. The only thing that will really survive is iron. Uh, so it's all like, Henry, I'm sorry to, to answer your question for you. Oh, go ahead. Just like, like I said, the rock iron. wasn't found. Your boy doesn't yeah. know. No one knows. Like because it, it feels a common to something, which is made of like ice and, and stone and shit like that. It would be burned up in the atmosphere. But iron is able to, if it's big enough, able to survive the, uh, the trip through the atmosphere. That's it, which um, is why if you're playing Minecraft and you're near lava, you know there's a mine nearby. Just keep looking. Just keep digging. You'll find it. You'll find it. Dude, Amazing. I've been in a Minecraft <laughs> like phase for the past six months or something. It's That's been it. seriously affecting my uni studies, <laughs> which is an issue. <laughs> this is going public. Um, Confession hour. Going- <laughs> Confession hour. Sorry, sorry to Pat's supervisor. To my supervisor. Yeah, I just won't tell him about it. It'll sorry, be- Brian. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Great, Mitch. What do you got for us? Sitting was I on my couch, as is my want in most mornings, <laughs> scrolling okay. the Twitter. Yeah. Oh, no. Which I'm sure is an experience that some of you can share. Okay. And I saw the headline. Oh, no. I only read headlines now. It's 2020. <laughs> Don't have time for articles. And the headline said, global insect population down 25%. And I thought, Fuck, that's awful. <laughs> that's awful. We need more insects than that, surely. You can't lose a quarter year on year. That's bullshit, I thought. What do I do? Not much. Um, have breakfast, move on with your life. But the horrible thing is, like, this, this story, this story, ladies and gentlemen, has international researchers. It has mystery. It has subterfuge. And it has a happy ending. Oh, so, lovely. You have four minutes to tell it. And we need all of these. No, I know, I know. It's just a little bit of preamble. Of That's course. what we call like establishing sort of pathos. That's it. No, That's it's important. Yeah, pathos. You know, we're emotionally pathos is important. Yes. Yeah, pathos is important. So, <clears throat> old mate, Rolf van Klink from Leipzig University has completed a meta-analysis of 160 long-term insect population studies across 14 countries. No, it's a German Terrible accent. German accent. Thank you. That's for our four German listeners. Shout out to you guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> Guten Tag. I believe it was 11. <laughs> there you go, 11. So all 11 are going to be, they're going to be rolling in the aisles on that one. <laughs> so old mate from Leipzig University, right? He went through this meta-analysis, which is a study of looking at these sort of a study of studies, a study of these research studies into insect populations and their decline across the globe. And what he found, what he found is he called, he called, he called, Scheiße. He called bullshit. He called <laughs> absolute bullshit on this because the actual rate of decline, if you run the meta-analysis, is only 9%. Also, freshwater, freshwater invertebrates, insects to their friends, are increasing. Their populations are increasing by anything up to 11%. Also, the data's kind of patchy and it's all over the place. And this is one of those classic cases of publication bias. So for those of you playing at home, if you're a scientist and you want to get a paper published, say you're an insect, you know, you're an entomologist, you want to publish a study about researching the decline of insect populations or 
that kind of thing. And what your study finds is that there are exactly the same amount of insects in this location in this year and this year. The chances of your getting published are not great. Yeah. So you're much more likely to get published if you say, oh, insects in this region have declined 30% year on year because that'll sell the journal. Mm. So what they found, and somebody who commented on this, David Merritt, shout out, well done, entomologist at University of Queensland, said he wasn't surprised at this alarmist shenaniganizing because he's seen it in many other flim fields. Flim-flamming? Yeah, flim-flam-flim-flammaroos. Hoodwinking. So he said, you know, 9% still shit. It's not good. We need more insects. Let's not fuck around. I mean, we're not here to fuck spiders. It's probably the no most one's appropriate here to fuck use spiders. of that idiom that I've ever <laughs> had the, the, the chance to use. But also, freshwater, only 2.3% of the Earth's area. So that's still not great, even if it is increasing 11% in freshwater. And that's because of good catchment management. So here's your happy ending, all right? So they think that the decline, 9%, as it is, still not great, may have been due to neonicotinoid insecticides, which are a problem, but heavily industrialized agriculture is actually backed off in some areas. And what they're finding at the data with these insect loss is that there's a lot of variability. Some areas are actually doing okay. So the fall of the Soviet, you know, the USSR has actually seen plenty of areas which were heavily industrial agricultural, agri- yeah, words. Yeah, you got it, agricultural. During the Soviet time are now, the insects are doing great. They're coming back strong, doing fine. And then other parts may actually be seeing a little bit more of a decline. So increasing urbanization, climate change, makes you want to throw your hands up. But because of improved catchment management and farming methods, insects might actually be doing okay, not doing too bad. So Merritt, again, well done, shout out to him, was saying that actually in Australia, it's because of drought conditions that the insects haven't been doing too well only recently. Not captured by Van Klink. Amazing name, by the way, Raul. Shout out. My dude. Right, Van Klink, fantastic. Um, wasn't captured by his meta-analysis, but saying that in Australia, some guy calling into Talkback Radio said he drove all the way from, and I quote, Alice Springs to Adelaide and didn't hit any bugs. But if you don't go by some guy's analysis, we might be doing okay on the bug front. Not bad. That was, that was it. That was five minutes. That was really good. That was, that was clean. Now, um, Mitch... It may just be because I'm incredibly drunk at the moment, but I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what the point of that was. No, no, no. It had a point. So, His point so, was... So the, the original article said that insects are, like insect populations, are, just, are declining, but there are many reasons why that article said that that aren't entirely valid, including propagation bias and stuff. Is that... Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. So, yeah. From what I got, Mitch saw this article that said that insects were going down 25%, but then a different old mate has come and gone, nah, this old mate, Van Klink, Van, fucking Van, Van Klink, Klink, fucking yeah. the Klinky, the Klinkinator, the Klinkinator <laughs> was trying to just get his journal published, his, his article published Better in analysis, the journal. Mate. Yeah. Better analysis. But the actual, the actual number, according to other old mate who's not Klinky, um, is actually yeah. only 9%. That's okay. what I'm hearing. It's okay. a good, it's a, it's a feel, it's not, it's not really a feel. And freshwater is it? up, it's up 11%, <laughs> heaps more. Okay. Look, I, I, I was able to get the, the, the gist of that. So I'll, I'll give you the point. Yeah, no, I had to give Mitch the point as well. Mitch has got plus one. Um, you got a question, Pat? 
Uh, I'll let you go first. I'm still thinking. Right. Question. Uh, my question was, or is even, and this can be for either article, right? Um, this can be either for the Clinkinator or for what's, what's the other guy? Oh, Merritt didn't write an article. He just commented on it. Oh, okay. Or yeah. old mate. So okay, in that case. meta analysis. Per the Clinkinator. Um, which insects are copying at the hardest? Insects would be bark. <laughs> which ones are copying at the hardest? Yeah. Terrestrial. Yeah. So the ones that are actually copying at are the terrestrial, like land-based insects. Okay. Um, for all the factors that were discussed in the study. Yeah. But it varies greatly, as Clinkinator said. Mm. Such a good name. Um, as Clinkinator said, it varies greatly by location. So just making these... Sw- I mean, who knew? Who fucking knew that, like, Twitter headlines, sweeping generalizations, 25% of anything going down, weren't entirely accurate to the fine-grained level of, say, countries? Um, so, yeah. Wait, Van Klink, that sounds German. Have we just alienated the German, the German population after bringing them back All a little bit? 11 <laughs> viewers have just unsubscribed. Oh, no. <laughs> Mitch uh, deleted all your podcasts. Mitch took them in and then threw them out again yeah. as if they yeah. were just some common bass. Oh, no. Science on the influence would like to apologize to our German viewers. All <laughs> <laughs> listeners is the case, baby. That's um, it. Pat, you got anything? I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. Uh, okay. So, so you said that one of the main issues or one of the issues was the publication bias. Gotcha. Uh, was, did they actually measure publication bias in any way? Was there any like objective measurement of this was published because it's snappy or, or was it just someone stating so the, something? The short answer is no. And I think that's why they went to merit as well to support their claim because they claimed on the basis of Van Klink's work that, there is, and Van Klink highlighted this himself, that there is a problem in terms of these sort of uh, population or entomological studies. Studies really in anything, right? Let's call it out exactly for what it is. Scientific publishing has a massive problem with not publishing null or negative results. Mm. That statement should be printed above the door of every research institute in the world. There you go. Absolutely. If I was, you know, if I had my finger on the button, that'd be a call. Um, and it wastes a tremendous amount of, as Van Klink actually points out later in the study, it wastes a tremendous amount of time and money and effort. And it means that we can't target interventions towards the places that they should be because people are chasing, you know, wild goose chases trying to find these locations where it's been reported that the declines are absolutely dreadful, where if you took into account the full scope of the studies that had been performed and not published in the area, you would find that the reality on the ground is much different. Massive problem in science. Yeah. This publication bias where only the sort of sexiest, and by sexy, <laughs> in this case, I mean the more dead insects you've got on your hands or that you find in your study, the sexier that is to publish. Massive issue. Yeah. Uh, 100% I will give you that point. Uh, I will just slightly, at, at least in astronomy, slightly disagree. Uh, mm-hmm. Astronomy has this fantastic website called Archive, where anyone, it's spelled A-R-X-I-V. A-R-X-I-V? Yeah. Yes, Shout out to yeah. Archive. Pre-publication. That's where it's at. That's where all the cool kids hang out. <laughs> yeah, it is the most amazing website in the world because Absolutely. anyone can publish a paper completely free of charge and... It will be published. It is. That's amazing. It, 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 Talk like, to me about the free of charge thing as well, Pat, because you're a PhD student right now. You're looking, I imagine, so towards academia. I'm, 
I'm in the process of writing a paper at the moment on a supernova uh, where we've captured the very, very, very early parts of the supernova. Cool. Um, the, I, I haven't gone through the process of actually publishing a paper on archives, so my information is not entirely accurate. <laughs> uh, be aware of that. Um, but you are able to put up a paper as a PDF document, and as long as it uh, abides by certain guidelines, uh, um, it will essentially be free for anyone to look at. Uh, this is in contrast to many classic science journals uh, where there is some kind of paywall which stops just anyone from being able to see that. You have to be a university student where your university pays for access to these papers mm -hmm. um, or you have to pay yourself to actually get access. Um, mm. Archive allows anyone to see the papers free of charge, which is so important. Um, yeah. it, it's something I'm really, really, really uh, excited about. That, uh, like, I, I think the the worst part of science is the the restrictions and the elitism that comes with it, where um, people are restricted from learning as much as they can learn. Um, this has gone on to slightly more of a political topic. No, no, <laughs> I, I, going, the, you're, we're you're a science show. We're you're a science show. Yeah. And, you know, um, this show yeah. was born out the, of a the, show that was critiquing shitty practices in science. Yeah. That's it. The, the best part of science is people are able to study and learn about whatever they want. The worst part of science is there's this uh, idea that scientists are smart old white men in lab coats who do things and talk in Latin and mm. no one can understand it. <laughs> um, and I'm seeing things starting to slightly change. There's lots of fantastic uh, organizations that are helping introduce science communication, science um, understanding within just the general populace so mm. that people are able to access science and not think it's this big scary thing and you have to go through, you know, three years of undergraduate and five years of PhD to understand. Um, yeah. And I think it's really, really important that, the access to science is made really accessible, really free. Um, mm. So archive, personally, I think it's one of the best things out there just oh. because you get access to all of these fantastic, uh, web, uh, fantastic papers, fantastic science mm. that you normally wouldn't get. Um, so in, in, other, in other fields outside of astronomy, they don't use archive. They are behind paywalls. Mm. But at least in astronomy, every paper that's published in Nature or the Astronomy uh, Journal or anything else is also published in archive, just as a matter of course. There you go. Uh, which is really, really helpful. Sorry, Fantastic. rant over. No, of course. No, no, absolutely that's, amazing that's stuff. It, it's also good that you're warming up because the second half of this, the oh, second yeah. half of this night is just, just going to be some, some wonderful conversation. Which that was great. That's which a, I'll force Mitch to edit in a few days' time. Yeah, it's fine. Um, that's a big show. But no, thanks, but Pat. And, yeah. and you was, keep fighting the good fight. That's, that's it. fantastic. That was wonderful. Yeah, excellent. And so at the end of our... Mitch wow. deserves three points. Yeah, well, Mitch, Mitch gets three. <laughs> Mitch gets three. <laughs> and um, at the end of our, wow, uh, officially new official show. game show, uh, yeah. we have... Uh, Mitch, you've broken even. You've hit zero. Congratulations. You've done it. It's another, well done. another month done. Very nice. Uh, Is this like the first time? <laughs> <laughs> I could have not turned up and got the same score. I love that. Yes! Yes! Pat, a brilliant, respectful showing of plus one, positive one for, for your first time here. Um, and oh, I have somehow solid. taken it away. I think it was largely because of that um, solid first round. I'm on, neg I'm on negative. No, I'm on positive three. 
Oof. Yeah. And big I, score. Big, spe- no big spender right here. Clapping. <laughs> and I think I take away this month. How good. Well done. Congratulations, Henry. This show is totally not rigged. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to the end of the official episode's show. And in a rare occurrence, which will probably never happen again for the next few months, Hopefully. your boy has taken out the monthly prize of just Woo-hoo! self-satisfaction, I suppose. Yeah, uh, that's it. That's all you get. That's it. <laughs> uh, you get to know prize. that you're better than us. That's, <laughs> it. that's all you need. <laughs> uh, before we go any further, I just want to say that, as mentioned from the start, we're doing the show a bit differently. Uh, now We're doing the show a bit differently now, even. In a second after this official goodbye, we're going to play some wonderful, a wonderful piece of music. And that will be the end of what you hear on the Spotify stream or this other major podcast platform stream. But if you want to hear more, an extended cut of sorts, find us on our YouTube uh, where you can find more intoxicated ramblings from after our wonderful music performance. But we'd like to thank Pat for joining us for this. Patrick, thank you so much. It was an amazing Look, time. Thanks for having me. I'm super disappointed I didn't win. And I blame both of you. I, I believe there is some collusion here. I tried hard to lose. Winning. I obviously um, tried very hard yeah, no, to lose. Th- this is so fun. Um, thanks so much for listening and thanks so much for having me, guys. Uh, no worries at all, Pat. It was brilliant having you. That, that was a so brilliant much. little uh, spill at the end there. That was wonderful. I think people do need to hear that. Uh, mm. Mitch, you got anything to say before we take it out? Yeah, so the you can find our YouTube stuff. We're going to upload it there and the extended show. Uh, so we've got a Twitter at SUY Podcast. So that's Sierra Uniform India Podcast. <laughs> Uh, there you go. And also Facebook, just at Science Under the Influence. And we'll link our YouTube stuff there as well. So the channel, do you know our YouTube channel name, Henry? Yeah, it is still just Science Under the Influence at this point, I Fantastic. think. Fantastic. Yeah. So you can search us on anything. The podcast itself will finish up in a tick, and we're going to hear from the absolutely wonderful Patrick Hasler with the yeah. track One Giant Leap. That's it. Just coming off his new EP, I think. Is that right? That's absolutely it. I think we might do that right now. Um. To end the show, uh, we're going to give a quick shout out to our friend Patrick Hazler. He is an original music composer and producer, an artist from Canberra. He is on Spotify and other major platforms. Uh, This song is from his just released EP, Apollo, which was inspired by the NASA Apollo program and their new Artemis mission in the future. The song is called One Giant Leap. On behalf of Science Under the Influence, we have been Pat, Mitch, and Henry, and we will see you guys next month. Bye. Bye. Okay, yeah, we can see you coming down the ladder now.
think that was Neil's quote. I didn't understand. <laughs> no, one small step for man, but I didn't get the second phrase.